Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th TV series edition. I'm Vicki. And I'm Kim. And these are the episode credits for Friday the 13th, the series, season three, episode four, Crippled Inside. Series created by Frank Mancuso Jr. and Larry B. Williams, written by Brian Helgelands, directed by Timothy Bond. Original air date, October 21st, 1989. So we're back with season three, episode four, Crippled Inside. I have a few things before we start this episode. Number one, as I was editing last week's episode, I realized, as predicted, that I called Johnny Steve throughout most of the back half of the episode. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that, but I said, what am I correcting? You already said it in the beginning. Yeah. The second thing that I'm still wanting to know who donated the dagger from last week's episode. I was thinking maybe it was the daughter. During last week's episode, I mentioned the daughter, but then I said, no, that doesn't make sense because that's the thing somebody would have to kill her with to stop the Right. Beast. But then I was thinking maybe it was her thinking that if the knife was not available, then no one could stop her from completing her mission because killing her was the only way to stop it. So I'm thinking maybe she donated, never thinking that the store is sending out mailers and that they would get it back. Oh, Okay. But I don't know why she would have put it in Uncle Lewis's name. That's the part that's throwing me. Because if she didn't use his name, they wouldn't have gotten it back. Right. That's the part that's throwing me. I mean, she probably would know who Uncle Lewis is since they're in his basement. Right. You know? But I don't know why that's bothering me so much, but it is. So moving into this episode, I feel as if Mickey is more authoritative this season. Yes. Mm -hmm. I kind of noticed it in the last episode, too. She is more confident, and she seems to be in con- more in control of everything and taking right, things yeah. more seriously. Mm-hmm. Not that she didn't take it seriously, but it felt in the past like this is something she felt she had to do because they were the ones who sold a lot of the antiques. Right. But now it's more feeling like she understands that this is her calling. Right, and with Ryan not being there, too... Somebody's got to also step up. Right, right. Yeah, I definitely felt in the last episode she had more confidence and she was taking it more seriously and she was being more like Jack because Jack always seemed to be the one who took control of everything. So then, and I know this is later in the episode, but I have to bring it up now because it's bothering me. So even before I looked him up, it was clear that that old man with the wheelchair was a younger guy made up to be an old man right? The makeup job was so bad that I was like, why are they making this guy up to be an old man? And then when I did look him up, I found that he was the same actor who played Shaw slash the butcher in The Butcher. So he's definitely young. Oh, okay. Okay. So why hire a younger guy and make him up badly into an old man if he's not going to be shown as his younger self at some point? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you're saying. The only reason to do that is if we're going to see a flashback of him younger. Or, as I was thinking, maybe he was going to reveal himself to be somebody else later on. And he was in disguise. Because why hire a young man and make him up to be an old man if he's just going to play an old man? Just hire an old man. Right. Well, a lot of stuff in this series doesn't make any sense. Right, because the makeup was so bad. It was so obvious that he was a young guy made up to be an old man, that I always think that if they make something that obvious, there's a reason for it. Right. And there doesn't seem to be a reason for it. No, there's no rhyme or reason. Just one more thing before we start. Jack is away, and Mickey takes off right at the beginning of the episode, so I still am convinced they all hate each other. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
So we begin with Rachel escaping an assault by four boys, only to be run over by a car trying to get away. The ringleader who pretended this was all a date is Marcus, and the one boy who didn't want to participate once he found out she never agreed to it is Scott. So we learned before the assault that Rachel wanted to be a figure skater, and after the accident, she's paralyzed from the neck down, which makes her paralyzation more, I don't know if that's a word, paralyzation, more devastating. I mean, it's got to be devastating to, to, you know, all of a sudden be paralyzed from the neck down, but when your goal was to be a figure skater, you know. We never see her skate. Wouldn't it have been nice to have been in her, in her memory while she's sitting in the chair? I could have been skating. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the thing I couldn't understand. I'm going, not one scene. You could show any kid on the skating rink. They don't have to be doing backflips and figure eights, but just skate around the rink. Right. Yeah. Or the date could have been skating or the fake date, you know? Right. Something. Right. Yeah. An uh, image could have been him or her skating on the yacht. Nothing. Nothing at all. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even think of that. You're right. So I didn't think about it the first time I watched it. But the second time, I wondered if the old man was actually the guy who hit her in the car. I thought it was Jack. (laughs) (laughs) They hardly showed him to us. I just thought it was weird that they just showed his feet when she was looking up at him. like, And that was kind of bizarre. Right, yeah. They show him from far away getting out of the car. And he's definitely an old guy. And he's definitely having trouble walking. So I think it's him. I think he's the one who hit her. He could be. I think so. Especially later on, I even believe more that he's the one who hit her. I still think it was an accident. I don't think he did it purposely. I don't know. This guy has you believe in sort of that he's really trying to help people, although you know it's Friday the 13th, so that can't be possible. I have a theory. (laughs) Oh, God. I know. (laughs) Oh, God is right. We'll get to it. So Rachel's mother drags her to a yard sale. Her mother thinks it's good for her to get out. She doesn't agree, but she goes. And then later we learn that her father left them. And it kind of sounds like it was pretty recent, like maybe after the accident. Because mm-hmm. they said something about having a rough year. But I think it was the accident, but it sounded like it also has to do with the father leaving. Right. I don't think she ever reported the incident to the police. But it's never made clear if even her mother knows what really happened. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so either. And later on, when Marcus yells to a girl about going to see another concert, which is the same trick he used on Rachel, it's pretty clear that he's done this before and no one's reported it. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and even later on when the girl runs away on the roof because she doesn't want to be around this guy, Marcus, you know, Mm -hmm. it seems like everybody knows this and he's getting away with it. And I have to imagine they've done this many times. Right. So at the sale, an old man tells Rachel that the old wheelchair can heal her as it healed him. He says he had a stroke. She convinces her mother to take it, and he lets them have it for free. So then at the store, Mickey and Johnny choose between the two antiques that they may have located, an umbrella and a wheelchair, and they leave to hunt them down. Mickey and Johnny get back to the store with the umbrella, but not the wheelchair, but they have an address to follow up on it. But inside, Mickey finds a telegram from Jack, who's in London, tracking down the Shard of Medusa, which is the antique that they lost in the friend to the end. So Mickey leaves Johnny by himself to find the wheelchair while she takes off to London to help Jack, which I kind of thought was odd because, as Johnny says, he's never done this before by himself. And people, it's extremely windy here. So if you're hearing all kinds of wind gushing in the background, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do about it. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? 
Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, the Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So back at Rachel's house, Rachel's mother brings her the chair and Rachel insists on sitting in it at the window. Her mother leaves her there and goes to work, which I really thought was odd. Yeah, because I could have sworn she said something about dinner or lunch, and I'm going, yeah. but how's she getting it? She said, my office wants me to work late. Can we? Can you wait for dinner or something? No, that's the wait for dinner. Yeah, but she's alone for a long time. Yeah, I thought about that, too. Nowadays, that would be called abuse. Yeah, anything could happen. She's just sitting in that chair right. for hours. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just found that weird. Maybe it's just, well, obviously, it's not just me. It's you, too. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I just found it was weird. So the mother leaves and goes to work, and Rachel begins having flashbacks of the attack, but also of the man telling her the chair can heal her. And then she finds she's able to move and stand up, but she's still in the chair, so it's like a projection of herself, I guess. Right, yeah. So Johnny arrives at the yard sale to find the chair has been given away. The woman tells Johnny the girl must live close because her mother walked over to get it, to pick it up. Then we move to the four boys who arrive at the school. It's nighttime. They send Peter in to steal some tests in the chemistry lab. This guy, Peter, now I'm going to get his name wrong because I always do. He is, I always say Dylan McDermott, but it's not. He is married to Tori Spelling. Okay. What the heck? I don't know names. I can not be of any help. His name reminds me of Dylan McDermott. That's why I always want to call him Dylan McDermott. But oh, okay. <laughs> I can't you remember. You call him that if you want it. Dermot McDill, whatever his name is, gets mad. He'll contact you. <laughs> well, he just might get mad. <laughs> <laughs> so they send Peter in to steal some tests in a chemistry lab, like I said. So Rachel's other self shows up, and she wants him to confess. He backs into his shelf and is soaked by chemicals that fall on him. The boys run in when they hear him scream, and he says Rachel before he dies. So Rachel, as she's running away, runs into the old man, and he tells her that the chair will begin healing her now. So, obviously, she didn't set out to kill anybody. She was just trying to get them to confess. Right. But now she realizes, apparently, that's what she has to do. So she re-enters her body, and she can move her hands. And she argues with her mother about not wanting to go to the doctor and healing on her own because I guess she's tired of doctors, which I guess I can imagine that being the case. So Johnny finds the house by looking for a house with a ramp in the neighborhood, which is kind of smart since the lady told him she must live nearby. That makes Right, yeah. Yeah. And he offers to buy back the chair, but her mother refuses to sell it. She says her daughter's happy, which she keeps saying how it's nice to see her happy, you know. Right. So she doesn't want to talk to her daughter about selling the chair. Right. And then upstairs, Rachel asks her mother to put her back in the chair. Johnny goes to the school and finds out that Rachel hasn't attended there since her accident. But he finds out that a kid died during the night. Scott, who first says he doesn't know who Rachel is, gets in the car and tells Johnny the story about the attack. 
and that Peter the dead kid was one of the four that attacked her, and that he said her name before he died. So you can tell Scott felt bad about what happened to Rachel, but not enough to go to the police. At this point, he's more worried about dying himself. I mean, I know he feels bad, but he's kind of more concerned about her killing him. Right, yeah. Than doing the right thing. And he Mm -hmm. wants Johnny's help, and Johnny gives him his card. He also asks where to find the other guys. Later, Scott is threatened by Marcus because he's worried that Rachel is talking about the assault. So apparently, we're right, she never told anybody. And wants them to turn themselves in, which uh, obviously Marcus is against. (laughs) Right. So Johnny looks up the guys in the yearbook. I don't know if that's how he found the address. I don't really know why he looked up the yearbook. Maybe just so he would recognize them. I don't know. So Eddie is on a date, and I imagine this is going to be one that was supposed to be one of those dates. Because Marcus earlier said to Scott that they're going to Eddie's for a party tonight. Right. So Eddie's on a date. The girl takes off when a light goes on in the doorway of the roof they're on, and Eddie calls out thinking it's Marcus. So the girl doesn't want to be around Marcus, but it's Rachel. Uh-huh. And she scares him enough that he backs off the roof and dies. Johnny shows up in time to see him fall, and Rachel vanishes. When she goes back into her body, she can move the whole upper part of her body. Marcus breaks into her house. This guy, I swear. There's always one. Oh my God, can they make him more awful? He breaks into her house when she's in bed and not in the chair. He attacks her, but Johnny gets there to save her. And he threatens Marcus, and Marcus leaves. Again, I noticed in my notes when I'm not calling Johnny Steve, I'm also typing Ryan. Oh, okay. So if I use Johnny, Steve, or Ryan, just know I mean Johnny. (laughs) (laughs) After Marcus leaves, Johnny takes the chair, and he figures out how the chair works, because he can see that Rachel can move. Each killing gives you back a little more of your body. They tried to rape me. They made me like this. I I only need it till tomorrow. Will they all be dead by then? Animals like that don't stop until somebody stops them. Killing is wrong. What do you get besides blood on your hands? I'll get my body back. You'll lose your soul. I have one chance to be free, and I'm not going to blow it. I'm only killing people who deserve to die. You can't go around making your own justice. They took my body. Revenge is wrong. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life being some smiling cripple while they just walk around free. So she tells him what they did and that they deserve it. But he takes it because killing people is wrong and you can't be judging jury, blah, blah, blah. But the old man's outside and convinces him to let him have it because she only needs to kill one more person to be healed, which turns out not to be true. And he's sure that Marcus will never give up and she won't be safe if she can't run. Right. And Johnny thinks about it and lets him have the chair. And I know this is Friday the 13th, but I can almost see his point. Right, yeah. I would have done the same thing. I would give back the chair. Yeah. Because he's figuring that she really won't be safe as long as Marcus is out there. And they are criminals who nobody seems to want to report. So they're going to get away with doing this over and over again. Right, yeah. She only has to kill one more person, which we assume is going to be Marcus. And when she's cured, he gets the chair back and he can put it in the vaults. Now, the guy didn't say that, but I think that's what he was thinking. They could put it in the vault, and everybody wins. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. You can't live another person's life, and you can't look after their souls for them. Those boys made their choice. She's made hers. You gain nothing from taking away her only chance at happiness. Trust me. Let me talk to her. Unless you want to be a permanent bodyguard, it's the only way. He will kill her. So as all this is going on, Scott shows up at the store, which is left unlocked with no one there. Mm -hmm. 
but at least he closed the door behind him. <laughs> Back at Rachel's, the old man puts her in the chair and tells her to go heal herself. But instead of going after Marcus, like we thought, and I'm sure Johnny thought, who's the ringleader who broke into her house and threatened to kill her, she goes after Scott at the store. Yeah, uh, we'll try to figure that out one out, yeah. Yeah. So after Rachel leaves her room, the old man vanishes like Rachel does, after she kills. Speculation warning. Warning. Pure speculation ahead. So, is he also using the chair? Was she supposed to be one of his healing victims when he hit her with the car and because she didn't die, he wasn't fully healed because he was limping then? At one point, eventually, to me, it has to wear off. I don't know. It's just the way he vanished. He just vanished. Just like she vanishes when after she kills someone. Right, yeah. So did he do all this to make sure she died? Because she was his victim, but he didn't kill her? Yeah, I never thought about it that way. I don't know. I didn't really think of it that way. Maybe? Because I didn't think about it that way either. Because I think the first time I watched it, I didn't know that notice that he vanished. And the second time after he told her to go heal herself, he vanished just like she does. Mm. But who else was he killing? Did he had to keep on killing once he gave her the cheer? I know this is kind of off the edge, but it just feels like when he hit her with the car, and I'm still assuming it was him, he yeah. was limping because the first time I watched it, I thought the guy was drunk because of the way he was walking. So he wasn't yeah. fully healed at the time he hit her with the car. Uh-oh. So could, technically, he could have been looking for a victim that night. Yes. Ah, I see what you're going on. Oh, another twist. Yeah, yeah. He's driving out at night looking for a victim and she saw happen to run out in the road. Right. But then she didn't die. So he needed her to die to get fully healed oh, is what I'm thinking. That's a good one. I like that. Could be. I like that one. I don't know. That's kind of an off the wall theory, but I don't know why he vanished other than that he's using the chair too. Yeah, I liked it, though. Yeah, okay. So she ties Scott down and cuts the chandelier rope, and the chandelier comes crashing down on him. Okay, how many times do you think the chandelier got destroyed? Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, it keeps coming back. I mean, it blew up last week. Yeah, we'll see it again. Who just has a rope holding up a chandelier? I think that's how they used to do it, because they used to have to do it that way because they had to clean it. So when they came in, they lowered it to clean it, and then they pulled them back up. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Johnny comes back, but Rachel vanishes before he can catch her. Not that he probably could catch her anyway. Back at the house, her mother sees her get back into her body. And she does finally tell her mother about the chair. And now she can feel her legs, but she can't walk. So I guess she still has to use it one more time. But her mother's freaked out and wants her to stay away from it. Can't blame her. So while her her and her mother are struggling, and it's almost like she looks like she was trying to kill her mother. Right, yeah. Just saying. Marcus comes out of the room. Oh my God, with this guy. So he knocks out her mother and Rachel tries to make it back to the chair so she can leave her body and kill him. So they struggle and after spraying him in the eyes with hairspray, she's able to get into the chair. He wheels her to the top of the stairs, but her other self comes out and starts to strangle him. So Johnny arrives, but she still can't walk because Marcus is alive. She thinks she thought she killed him, but he's still alive. He leaps up and pushes her chair down the stairs, but she grabs him and takes him with her. So now they're both dead. So later, the old man comes back to the store and tells Johnny that he's sorry about the girl, but he wants to buy the chair back. Johnny refuses, obviously, and he's pretty pissed off. And like I've said before, about all the antiques in the vault, and the old man tells him, that that vault and the chair will be there long after they're all gone. Right, yep. And someone will use it again. 
because mm-hmm. there's no way to destroy him. So at some point, Jack's going to be gone, Mickey, Johnny. At some point, they're going to knock down that store. I mean, it can't stand there forever. Right. You know, all those things will be out in the world again. Well, I couldn't understand why Johnny was taking a hack at it. You can't destroy the chair. About this part, he knew that you cannot destroy the chair. So why did you have an axe at it? I think he does know. I think that was just frustration. Oh, okay. You know, I think. I'm not positive that he does know. I'm, I'm assuming they would have told him that. But the old man, before he leaves, says that they'll never win. Right. What are you going to do? Put it away somewhere. Keep it safe from people like me. But it doesn't matter, son. It'll still be here long after you and I are gone. And no matter what you do, there'll always be somebody who'll kill for its healing. I just want you to know, you'll never win. You're only delaying the inevitable. And he leaves laughing an evil laugh. (laughs) Almost skipping and dancing. But the skipping and dancing makes me feel like my theory from before about him using the chair still is valid. But he does close the door behind him. <laughs> now, all I know is, like I said, at least somebody got some sense to close the door. <laughs> I'm like, how many times can you leave a door open? <laughs> so the Cursed Antique from Friday the 13th Wiki is a wheelchair that heals crippling neurotraumatic injuries by killing others and projects a dangerous ghostly double of the owner. So what did you think of this one? I liked it. It was just, I just thought different things about her in the chair. But then when I realized how it was going to work, I was like, oh, okay. So part of her comes out and then she comes back. So I said, that makes sense. Because I want to say there was an old movie or something like that where that happened. You know what? That's what I was saying through the whole thing. It was reminding me of something and I couldn't remember what. Yeah, I can't remember what movie it is, but there's a movie where... You know, they're in They're in the chair. They come out, and then they're able to go back in. But I can't remember what that movie is. I can't either, but I kept thinking through the whole thing that this was familiar to me. Mm-hmm. All right. So, and I'm still wondering about the old man. I still think that this old man was supposed to be something more, and maybe they changed the story. Or maybe we'll see him again. Yeah, it could be. Because the way he said, you're not going to win, it made me think that he's part of Lewis's minions. Right. You know, and part of that when he said that reminds me of Ghostbusters when the um oh they're in that holding that holding container and then they all burst out. They all burst out and went all throughout the city and stuff. And that's when they had to get the marshmallow puff guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> you never seen Ghostbusters? I never did. So God <laughs> have mercy. I know. Yeah, because when he said they'll never win and he said something, you're fighting a losing battle. He obviously knows what they do there because he wouldn't have said that. Right. I'm still stuck on why would they dress up a younger guy to play an old guy? Yeah. Unless he was going to reveal himself as someone else later. Or we were going to see a flashback of him younger. I'm feeling like he was supposed to be somebody who showed up a lot, you know, doing Uncle Lewis's work. Mm -hmm. That's what I was feeling like. Although, when I looked him up in the credits, he's only in two episodes, which was The Butcher and this one. Now, it doesn't mean that they don't get another guy to play this part. I don't know. But he just felt like somebody who we were going to see again. Right. I don't know. You know, this series got canceled at the end of the season. So maybe if we don't see him this season, they had plans to bring him back next season. 
Yeah, because it, it seemed like he would come back. Right, because it all seemed but, too obvious. Yeah. The fake looking makeup, which to me, in my mind, when things look that obvious, there's a reason. Although this is Friday the 13th, so sometimes it's just bad makeup. But I don't know. Well, yeah, because even, yeah, when you say that, because even the girl, I don't know. Because if I'm supposed to be having this figure skater, show me something that says she wants to be a skater. Oh, yeah. They definitely should have incorporated the skating. Definitely. Right, and they didn't. Yeah, but my point is, it's just that the makeup job on this old guy was so bad that you knew it was not an old man. So I don't know if it was just really bad makeup or if it was so obvious for a reason. Yeah. But I'm not getting the reason. And if it's really bad makeup, my question again is, why just didn't you hire an old man if you weren't going to use him for something else later? Why hire a young guy and put makeup on him to look like an old man? Right, yeah. If it wasn't for some reason. Right. And I didn't get the reason, so now I'm aggravated. <laughs> <laughs> but I did like that episode. I did. Yeah. I'm going to look up that guy's name again before we sign off. <laughs> Dean McDermott. That's why I think it's Dylan McDermott, because it is McDermott. Yeah. Okay, that's all I needed to find out. So do you have anything else? No, I'm good. Oh, just for all you listening, Doug Gramley and I are beginning recording Wonderfalls, the 2004 series, and we're putting that over on the Yeah, That Can't Be Good podcast site, EurekaRewatch.com. So hopefully by the time this airs, we'll have an episode or two out. So if you like Wonderfalls, or if you've never seen Wonderfalls and have heard about it, go over and give it a listen. Okay. All right. So we'll see you next week for episode five. See you next week. All right. Bye. This is Doug reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse, on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse, and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to The 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for The 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition, Suspense Night, provided by Anton Kornienko, Pixabay user 147-98912, free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at The Warehouse.